If you turn to page four in your bulletins, um, the scripture reading comes from a variety of passages from Proverbs. The heart knows its own bitterness, and no outsider shares in its joy. Even in laughter, a heart may be sad, and a joy may end in grief. A tranquil heart is life to the body, but envy is rottenness to the bones. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but those who plan peace have joy. A person's spirit can endure sickness, but who can survive a broken spirit? A joyful heart makes a face cheerful, but a sad heart produces a broken spirit. Counsel in a person's heart is deep water, but a person of understanding draws it out. Like one who takes away a garment on a cold day, or like vinegar poured on a wound, is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. An evil person is caught by sin, but the righteous one sings and rejoices. A person without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. The wicked flee when no one is pursuing them, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Hope delayed makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Anxiety in a person's heart weighs it down, but a good word cheers it up. Bright eyes cheer the heart, good news strengthens the bones. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. The word of the Lord. This fall, we've been in a series on the book of Proverbs. Proverbs, if you're new to the book of Proverbs and the scriptures, it's all about wisdom. Proverbs 4, 7 it's the theme verse, really, for this whole series. It says, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom above all else, or if it costs you everything, get understanding. In a time when we are dealing with so many difficult things, living in such a contested time, pandemic, post-pandemic, maybe not post-pandemic, political tensions, cultural issues that are so difficult. Proverbs, this past fall, has been telling us what we most need to get for our time is not knowledge, not to get more information. Those things are important. We have more knowledge and more information at our disposal than ever. Proverbs says that's not it. You don't need to get the right answer, and you don't even need to get rid of your problems. What you most need to get is wisdom. We spent a lot of time talking about how wisdom looks, what wisdom looks like in our relationships. We've been talking about our communication, about how to listen, and about conflict. And what we've seen is that the wise person, I don't know what your picture is of the wisest person, what they look like or what they can do, but the wise person, Proverbs tells us, is not the one who would be a champion at Jeopardy. Right, who just knows all the answers and can fire it out and be, you know, 100 times, 200 times champion in a row at Jeopardy. That's not it. The wise person is the person who will be the champion at making peace. This week in our CBR reading in the New Testament, we've been reading through James. It's a very convicting book. James 3, we've talked about this passage a few times in this series, says, 
Wisdom from above, God's wisdom is pure, peace-loving, gentle, compliant, or open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering and without pretense. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. When I read that, I think, that's the kind of person our world needs right now. That's the kind of person I want to know, that I want in my life. That's the kind of person I want to be. And that's what it looks like to get wisdom. A key and a vital component to getting that wisdom, to becoming that kind of person is understanding our inner life. Because so much of what happens in our relationships, so much of what happens as we react to our circumstances, it comes down to what happens inside of us. What's going on inside of us that often just comes out. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, what Proverbs has to say about understanding our emotions or our inner world. Our emotional life, the, the topic and the idea of our emotions, it probably has maybe more attention than it's ever had before as far as in the world around us, right? There's developments and focus on mental health, which is a great thing. There's psychology, there's psychiat- uh, psychiatry, there's talk about emotional quotient, emotional intelligence, there's an explosion of counselors and therapy, all good things that give us insight into what? Our emotions and our inner world. And so we have all of that happening, a lot of good developments there to give us that insight. But what struck me as I was thinking about all the Proverbs we just read together and about our inner world is that despite all those developments, if we just look at the trends that are happening right now in kind of this post-pandemic-ish time that we live in, we see addictions are on the rise. And the news that just came out this week about the tragedy of the opiate crisis. We see levels of anxiety and depression continuing to spike. We see rage and anger blowing up at every single issue, it seems. Why can there be so much attention to the inner life and at the same time so much struggle? We need wisdom to understand that. We need wisdom to understand our emotions. And the insight and the depth of Proverbs into the inner life, even though these were all written like 3,000 years ago, as I came across these and, and sat with these and thought about these this week, it's astounding to me, the insight and the depth. And I think we're all just, I think for me personally, beginning, just beginning on the front end of dealing with the emotional toll of the past year and a half or two years. So let's see what we can learn from these Proverbs. I've got four basic points dividing what we can learn from these Proverbs up into four headings. First, the validity of our emotions. And I think this is the all-important starting point. We can't really get anywhere until we get through this. By validity, I mean that Proverbs validates our emotions as a core part of our humanity, along with and alongside our thinking and our will or our action or our volitions. Proverbs speaks about the full spectrum of our emotional life and inner life, 
as a real and an important part of life as God designed us to live. This validation is seen simply by observing what Proverbs says and how it says it when it speaks about the inner life. So let's look at page four. We're just going to look at these. I'm going to hit some of the, the phrases here, just reviewing this at the top. Bitterness. There's bitterness and there's joy in the human experience. As we go through, we see sadness and grief. We see 1430. We see tranquility or the calmness of the inner life. We see that we can be crushed in spirit or broken in spirit. There's grief. There's heavy heartedness. There's fear. Where's the verse? Yeah, verse 28.1. The wicked flee when no one's pursuing them. Sometimes we're afraid and we don't, even, we don't even have a reason why. Irrational fears. There's anxiety. There's the weighed down heart. There is hope. Almost all of these Proverbs are really just saying, this is an observation of human life. This is what happens in the human heart and in the inner world of a person. And Proverbs, just by acknowledging and stating these things, acknowledges that the full spectrum of hard and difficult to good and hopeful emotions are experienced by people, people who have faith in the God of the Bible, people who are seeking wisdom from the God of the Bible, experience all of these emotions. There is no proverb that says, here is how to avoid all the hard emotions. Do this. There is no proverb that says, why do you have a crushed spirit? Don't you believe in God? There's no proverb that says a righteous person will never become anxious or depressed. Through all this very vivid language here, if you look at the language, crushed, rotten, heartsick, strength in the bones, a tree of life like Eden, joy like good medicine. Proverbs is showing us that this full spectrum of emotions are a normal and expected part of human life, and there will be a gaping hole in your wisdom if you don't understand this. In most of the Proverbs here um, that we just read, we see the word heart. If you just look and glance at that, you'll see the word heart all over the place. This is the place where the emotions are felt and experienced. In the Old Testament and in Hebrew, the heart is the core of a person. The emotions are there. They're not there alone. There's also our thoughts. The cognitive part of ourself is in our hearts. The, the volitional, the acting, the, the, the choosing part of ourselves is all in our hearts alongside our emotions. And the point is that emotions are there as well. They're in the core of who we are as human beings. They're in the heart. And that is how God has designed us. Emotions are not on a lower plane from all the other parts of us, as if our thinking and our actions were trustworthy and pure and our emotions are not. No, Proverbs doesn't say that. But it does say, guard your heart, for from your heart flows everything, flows the entirety of your life, and a part of what's going on in your heart are all these emotions. So to understand yourself, you have to understand your emotional life. You have to validate that. Sometimes we get the idea and some... Christian circles, this maybe is what you were taught. I think I kind of picked this up early on in my Christian experience, that a good Christian is stoic. 
They're not too high and they're not too low. They're just able to navigate life because, of course, they believe in God. Why would they get too affected? That is not the picture given to us in the Bible anywhere. And it's not the picture given to us here in Proverbs. One of the most important books in my life that helped me with this is called The Cry of the Soul. It's by a counselor and Old Testament scholar. That scholar is Tremper Longman. He actually wrote a commentary on Proverbs. And it says this, ignoring our emotions is turning our back on reality. Listening to, or I would say validating our emotions, ushers us into reality. And reality is where we meet God. I think this is exactly what the Bible teaches when it comes to our emotions. Emotions are. Before we make a judgment and say they're good or bad or they're wanted or unwanted, they are. And until we are honest and understand what's going on and we're able to validate that, we won't be able to even meet with God. So we deny the reality of our emotions to our own harm. Just like we can ignore our physical health, if our health is like we just don't ever go to the doctor, we don't even think about our physical health, we can do that for a period of time, but eventually it becomes unavoidable. Something happens, we're sick, something goes on with our physical health. We have to deal with it. Proverbs says, even more so, we cannot ignore our inner life and our emotions. Proverbs 18, 14, I think I have a slide so we can find it easily. A person's spirit can endure sickness. We can endure sickness, it's not easy, but who can survive a broken spirit? This is saying what we do with our emotions is a matter of survival. First insight that Proverbs gives us for understanding our emotions is very simple. Emotions are. (laughs) All these emotions listed here, they are. They happen in the human heart. They're a part of reality. I've been mountain biking a lot. I've been enjoying that. Uh, This past week, I was mountain biking. I said, I'm going to take it easy because I was kind of recovering from some congestion. But then there was this rock in the trail. And I was like, I'm going to jump that rock. Because I'm, you know, I'm feeling good about myself, and I'm right, and I'm going to just jump that rock. And I came to that rock, and I don't know what happened, but the next moment, my face was in the dirt. I share that to say, that rock was real. It was reality. And as myself and my bike came up against that reality, it impacted us. It doesn't matter whether I said oh, I'm just going to ride on, on over it like I thought I was. Well, that didn't happen. I hit the reality of that rock, and that reality won. It's the same with our emotions. And we have to learn. And it's not easy. We'll talk about that in a second to understand and to name them and, and to figure out what's going on and what to do with it. But first, we can't deny them. We have to validate them. That's the first application. Validate them. Don't stuff them. Don't ignore them. Don't try to flatten them and say any despair, sadness, anger, fear, anxiety. I'm not going to feel that. Or I'm not going to feel the comfort and the joy and the anticipation and hope of life. These are your windows into reality to yourself and to God. They are all here in Proverbs and represented in the Bible. We can't talk about the Psalms. But in the Psalms, all these emotions are there as well. And they are in the context of worship and prayer. They're validated. They need to be brought to God. Many of us have a kind of voice inside of us that says, it's not okay to be mad. 
It's not okay to be too sad. Sometimes even it's not okay to be too glad. And I just want to tell you that is not the voice of Scripture or God. That is not the voice that leads to wisdom, as scary as that can be. So validate your own emotions and also learn to validate the emotions of other people. You shouldn't say things like, you shouldn't feel like that. It's not okay to express that. That is to stifle reality. To validate somebody else's emotion is not to say, oh, that's okay, let it rule over you and do whatever you want with that, or that it's always being expressed in the proper and right way. Yes, they might need more perspective, etc., but you acknowledge what's real when you validate the emotions of other people, and acknowledging them and doing so, you lead them to wisdom. That's the first point, the validity of our emotions. Secondly, the complexity of our emotions. Proverbs doesn't take any kind of reductionistic, oversimplified approach when it comes to the emotional and inner life. Instead, it offers us this very nuanced, very complex, but very true-to-life portrayal of the inner world. It's so insightful, amazing, written 3,000 years ago, but so true to life. Let's look at a few of these Proverbs, 14, 10, and 25. The heart knows its own bitterness, and no outsider shares its joy. Counsel in a person's heart is deep water, but a person of understanding draws it out. Look at these together. On the one hand, our inner life is so personal to us, no other person can know exactly what's going on, what we feel. Empathy is possible, and we should do that. Similar experience helps, of course, but our emotions are so personal, and they're so complex. They're hard for us to express, and they're hard for us to name and understand what's going on inside of ourselves, let alone inside of another person. Yet, on the other hand, 25 says, a person of wisdom and understanding can help draw out, can help draw us out of our own deep waters that are inside. A wise person helps us understand our own deep water. So on one hand, only we know our inner life. But on the other hand, we need others to help draw out what's really going on inside to understand ourselves. That's part of the complex picture. And it means a number of things. One, it means for us, we need to learn to identify and name as hard as it can be our emotions to other trusted people. That's a part of how we understand ourselves. That's how we connect with other people and they connect with us. And so we're not alone in our deep waters. And that helps us better understand ourselves that we can't do it alone. Romans 12 says a part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus and in the church is we weep with those who weep. We rejoice with those who rejoice. But that's not possible unless we let out our sorrows to one another and we share our joys with one another. We give people a window into what's going on in our reality. And in that, we share in the sorrows and joys with one another. Proverbs 14, 13, I think I have another slide, says, it's complex because we don't know what's going on below the surface with anybody, even if they're the most happy person on the outside ever, right? 14, 13 says, even in laughter a heart may be sad and joy may end in grief. My point is you don't know what's going on 
below the surface with others. And I think because of that complexity, Proverbs is saying in this, in this verse, be careful, be gentle. Don't assume that you know what's happening with another person. Don't simplify the situation and the complex reality of what's going on with somebody. This is especially important when you're in conflict or when you're in friction with somebody. Don't act as if you know. Charles Spurgeon quote, it's there in the reflection quotes in the front of the bulletin. He's so good on this. Charles Spurgeon himself suffered. He was a great pastor, a great preacher, suffered from depression and severe bouts of depression. He says this, so wise, especially judge not the sons and daughters of sorrow. Allow no ungenerous suspicions of the afflicted, the poor, and the despondent. Do not hastily say they ought to be more brave and exhibit a greater faith. Ask not, why are they so nervous and so absurdly fearful? No, I beseech you, remember, you do not understand your fellow man. I think he's capturing the wisdom of Proverbs there. Look again at 25. I think maybe if we can go back to Proverbs 25. Spurgeon is saying, people are deep waters inside. And this applies to every person. I want, I want everybody to hear this. Some people say, yeah, I understand I'm an emotional person. That's who I am. And there's some of you who say, I don't do emotions. Like I'm an engineer or something like that. I am, I am, I am logical and reasonable. Proverbs 25 says, there is no person who is a kiddie pool. And some people are like the deep end. We are all deep waters. I know Myers-Briggs says thinker, feeler, and all that. That's fine <laughs> for how we relate to the world. Every person, though, is a deep water inside. It's true no matter what. Each person has that depth. And that's scary. Some of us don't want to go there. When we were in uh, Kauai a couple months ago, and we were snorkeling, and, and I can swim and all that, and you know, there's the waves, and it's, it's a little bit scary for me to go out there. It's like snorkeling. Wow, you know, what, what's going to happen out in the open waters? But, you know, and then you get in, you're like, oh, it's like this deep. You know, what am I scared of? I can stand up and, like, walk, walk back. But there's a certain point when we were trying to look at a, a sea turtle and find it. They're like, it's out there. It's out there. And you're snorkeling. It's like, okay, I can stand up here. And all of a sudden, it just drops off. <laughs> like, Whoa. <laughs> That's like, that's like 30 feet deep right underneath me. I start freaking out inside. Like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Just slowly drift back over. That's how it can feel to some of us. I'm going to even bring up the topic of emotions. We're okay in the shallow end, but when it gets too deep, you know, we get scared. Proverbs says it's scary, it's complex, but it is a vital part of your humanity. On top of that, Proverbs says, biblical wisdom doesn't seek just one simple cause or one simple cure for our difficult emotions. For example, like everything has a spiritual cause or everything has a physical cause in our brains or the cure is just go to therapy, just pray, just repent, just take the proper medication. Proverbs doesn't put the just 
in front of those things. And there are some approaches to the inner life, to the emotional life, in some Christian perspectives that want to reduce and explain everything to a spiritual cause and cure and say, you aren't believing the gospel enough. You need to repent. You don't have enough faith. Proverbs doesn't have any of that. There are approaches in the secular world that say it's all a material and physical cause. All you need to do is get the proper balance of medication. Proverbs doesn't allow for this. It acknowledges the whole person. Proverbs 25, 20. If we have that, there it is. Like one who takes away a garment on a cold day. Or like vinegar poured on a wound is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. This is all about Wrong diagnosis and wrong treatment or wrong cure. Somebody who says, oh, you're feeling heavy and sad. Let me sing you a song. You know, don't worry, be happy or whatever song that you come up with. Or you have a heavy heart. Let me give you some advice. Have you tried this? Have you done this? Are you doing enough of that? Maybe you should just pray more. That's all you need. This proverb is saying, offering an oversimplified cure to someone who has a heavy heart. It's like saying to somebody when they're saying, I'm so freezing, I'm so cold here, and you're just like, oh, let me help you out, and just taking their jacket away. Or somebody who has an open wound, and you just say, let me just help you with that, and you're pouring vinegar on that. It's saying if you offer an oversimplified cure, you're making the problem worse. You're causing them more pain. Proverbs acknowledges the complex causes of our difficult emotions, physical, spiritual, mental, relational. And so Proverbs requires this holistic, whole person understanding when it comes to what's going on. Where do these emotions come from and how and what do I do with them? How do I handle them? A few Proverbs to illustrate this. 15.1, there's a bunch here that I want to list. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. This means something that happens in a relationship that is said to us can get so deep inside of us, it can crush our spirits. It could be a relational cause, in which case the cure is also relational. 1430, 1722, 1513. These proverbs all speak to the connection, the interconnection between the physical and the emotional, right? A calm or healthy heart is life to the body, but envy is rottenness to the bones. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. A joyful, face, a joyful heart makes a face cheerful, but a sad heart produces a broken spirit. The physical and the emotional are in, interconnected. My favorite bi- biblical illustration of this is the prophet Elijah. He went from the highest point in his life to the lowest point in his life. In 1 Kings 18, 17, 18, and 19, it said, Pro- uh, Elijah, the great prophet, of God said, God, I'm done. It was the lowest point in his life. He said, I'm quitting being a prophet, and I just want to die. And as he left and fled and just went out into the world, just ran away with nowhere to go, when God met him, what did he first do in that story? He said, Elijah, sleep and eat. He had some things to say to him later. But God, in his great wisdom, acknowledged the physical causes of Elijah's depression. And so here we see the interrelationship between the physical and the mental. Last proverb there. 
29.6, an evil person is caught by sin, but the righteous one sings and rejoices. This is saying our emotional life is affected by our character and our moral and ethical condition. The trajectory can be long. Sin can feel good in the short term, give us good emotions. Righteousness can feel empty in the short term. But this proverb is saying it will, in this long arc, it'll end up in one of two places. So our moral and spiritual character and condition affects our inner life as well. It is complex. Validity first. The first part of wisdom is learning not to deny stuff or ignore our emotions. The second part is the complexity, to avoid oversimplifying and quick solutions, to honor the whole person and know we are interconnected. That's how God designed us. The third part of the wisdom of Proverbs for understanding our emotions, I would characterize by the word intensity. Emotions are a part of the heart. Proverbs realize and says, but it says also, Proverbs says they're, they're not meant to rule over the heart. That's where self-control comes in. Proverbs 25, 28 says a person without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Sometimes when we don't have any control of our emotions, anything gets in and everything comes out. And Proverbs is saying, that's not good. We should validate our emotions, but they are not meant to rule over our lives. Why? Because they are too intense. And when we live in that intensity, sometimes they can overtake us. Proverbs 18, 14 says, A person's spirit, we read this earlier, can endure sickness, but who can survive a broken spirit? Our inner life can carry us through physical pain. It's not easy. Proverbs says that's enduring, that's difficult, but it's possible we can make it through. But we cannot... On the other side of things, will ourselves out of a broken spirit. Who can survive that, it says? When our inner life is broken, we feel like we have no resources. We're too wounded. The intensity of physical suffering is so hard. This Proverbs is saying the intensity of emotional suffering is even harder. Self-help is not enough. It's too intense. This week, the first time I, I noticed... As I was studying these Proverbs, this powerful image that Proverbs uses for this emotional intensity. He uses the image of our bones. Our bones in, the, in our anatomy, right, is what holds us together. We can walk and move and do stuff because of our skeleton, because of our bones. Proverbs say we have this image it uses, is that we have this emotional skeleton as well. It can be strong. 1530 says we can have a strength in bones when we have good news. Or our very inside can feel like it's rotting, like our life is being drained, Proverbs 1430. Or drying up, like our bones are so dry, like there's nothing there, Proverbs 1722. That's the picture of the intensity. They, they affect everything about how we move and live and stand and whether we can uphold ourselves in this life. Intense emotions, when they are good, joy and peace and confidence, they make our faces cheerful. They're life to the body, Proverbs says. But even then, we can't hold on to them. They're fleeting. They're unpredictable, as 14.13 says. 
the intense emotions that we experience that are hard, anxiety, depression, a crushed spirit, anger that we can't control, discouragement that we can't seem to shake, they stay way longer than we want them to. They're more powerful than we'd ever choose them to be. They have the power to crush. They have the power to break our spirit, to dry up our bones. So Proverbs says, these emotions are, they're complex and they can be very intense. The good ones, I think that's the point of 1413. Where is it here? It's the second one in the list of Proverbs in the bulletin. Even in laughter, a heart may be sad and joy may end in grief. Kind of a tough proverb, a little bit of a hard downer proverb, but it's saying you can't hold on to your joys forever. Eventually, even the greatest intense, wonderful emotion that you wish you could hold, that too will end. You can't hold on to the good, and you want to get, a, get away from the difficult and the bad emotions, but they're too intense. You can't do it on your own, so what do we do? I think Proverbs gives us great hope here. Final point, the healing of our emotions. Two powerful and final insights here from the book of Proverbs. As we're seeking to hold on to the good and dealing with the difficult and often crippling emotions, a crushed and a broken spirit, how can we have hope? Well, first point, you can go to the next slide. Look to your hope, Proverbs says. 13.12, hope delayed makes the heart sick. But desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Our hope, our hope as human beings is what we look to to make us happy. Wherever our hope or our longings are delayed and not met, Proverbs says we get sick, we get heartbroken, we get crushed in spirit. So this is saying, if you want to know what's setting the tone for your emotions, what's, what's the source of why I'm up and down. Proverbs says, look to your hope. What are you hoping in? We could give all kinds of examples. Is your hope for your kid's success? When it's going well, you feel better. When it's going not so well, you feel not so well. Is it for your own popularity and acceptance amongst a group of people or the approval of others? Is it hope for having a close relationship or how that close relationship is going, if that is your ultimate hope, it's that hope, right, that sets the tone for your emotions up and down. So are you saying, Eric, that the lesson is stop hoping and then I won't get heartsick? No, the Bible doesn't say that. It never offers us a way out of these hard emotions. Notice it doesn't say stop desiring. It says Hope deferred makes the heart sick, so, but desire, keep desiring, it is a tree of life. Yes to hope means to risk and inevitably feel these hard emotions in a sinful and a broken world. Our hopes will be delayed. They will be deferred. They will be frustrated. But the proverb says, keep desiring, right? Keep desiring. It could have said, the way that it says this, it could have said, like the rest of these Proverbs, desire, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled makes the heart glad. Or desire fulfilled makes the spirit rejoice or something like that. But it doesn't say that. 
What does it say? It says, desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Why does it say that? I said this a few weeks ago, but the phrase tree of life, it only appears three places in the Bible. Genesis, Revelation, and Proverbs. Very fascinating. The phrase tree of life. It's a phrase and a symbol for the life that God made us and created us to live. A life of joy and wholeness and flourishing in our whole person, including our emotions. This proverb offers us really important insight. It tells us under every difficult and hard emotion is a good desire, is a good hope. Don't kill the hope. Those hopes were created good. You were meant to have those hopes as a human being. Under these difficult and hard emotions of feeling crushed and broken and depressed and anxious, there's a good desire underneath there. There's something you were made for. There were those things that we will once again experience, as the book of Revelation says, there will be the tree of life in the new creation. And the leaves of the tree of life are for healing, the healing of all nations. That if the tree of life in Genesis means emotional wholeness, as we were created to enjoy, our desires and our hopes coming to fruition and fulfillment in the way God created them to, if that's what it means in Genesis and in Revelation, it means the emotional healing we will experience to the depth of our soul. How do we get it? Proverbs says you can glimpse it now. And the Bible says you can have it forever, but how? Well, it took another tree. The Bible says there is another tree at the center of the story. There is a tree of life at the beginning. There is a tree of the life, tree of life at the end, but there is a tree of death right in the center. Jesus went to the tree of death to feel and to experience the full breaking and crushing of his own spirit to descend into the darkness of the worst of an emotional experience that a human being could ever experience. The darkness of the absence and the turning away of the face of his father. So he experienced the great sickness of his heart on the tree of death. Galatians says, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree and Jesus became a curse for us. First Peter says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, and by his wounds you have been healed. Why did Jesus go to the tree of death? It's to give us solid hope. To give us entrance into the tree of life. In this life, all our hopes, some way or another, will be delayed and unfulfilled. We will get heartsick, but in Christ, our hopes will be fulfilled. He hung on the tree so that one day we would be healed by the tree. Final insight from Proverbs 15:30. Okay, if that's true, if that's the great and grand story, the tree of life that we lost, the tree of life we can regain through Jesus, what about now? What about as we go through all these different feelings and emotions? Number two, Proverbs says, let the good news end. Bright eyes cheer the heart. Good news strengthens the bones. 
This proverb speaks to the power of something outside of our inner life. Someone else's bright eyes, somebody else's words of good news. They come and they get inside of us and they go into our hearts and they strengthen our bones. The bright face and the demeanor of another person can cheer us up. It says, but good news goes even deeper to our very bones. And here it is, final, final few thoughts. We can't heal our own broken spirits. We can't push out the bad emotions we don't want to experience from within ourselves. It takes something outside of ourselves. Good news gets in, into the bones, and it puts those emotions in perspective, and it can bring healing and glimpses of the tree of life that we will one day know in its fullness. Good news can get into our bones. It can give us an emotional skeleton that even when we're weighed down and we're heavy and we feel crushed and we feel broken, we don't disintegrate, we don't fall apart. We can keep walking. It'll be hard. It'll be heavy. It'll be difficult. We can keep walking. An illustration of this, in World War II, when the various people in the concentration camps and all the Allied forces heard the news, Germany has surrendered. And it hit all the newspapers and it came to everybody's homes and it came to the people who were suffering and under the control of Germany. That was good news. That was outside good news. And you can bet because all the world was suffering and in fear. When that good news came and struck them, it got into their very bones. Are you serious? We don't have to live in fear. The war is ending. In the same way, the gospel tells us Jesus has won the victory. We don't experience and and taste the fulfillment of all our hopes and longings in this life. We glimpse it. We hold on to him when it's very hard and very heavy, and he keeps us together. Please hear me. I'm not saying believing the gospel shields us against emotional struggle and pain. In some ways, it actually intensifies it when we follow Jesus as we should. We will and we should experience intense grief and sadness. Jesus did. And we can still experience debilitating mental health. But we can keep walking. Our bones can be strengthened to walk in hope that even when we don't feel it, our story is a part of a larger story. It's outside of us. And it's hard sometimes to let it in. It's outside of us, but Proverbs says, let it get in. It's the story that your story is a part of. Even your emotional story is a part of a bigger story. Death ends in resurrection. Darkness ends in light. And our hopes will be fulfilled in Christ. One of the best descriptions of this that I know of, for those who feel crushed in spirit, when it feels like it can't get in, is here in the reflection quotes from Anne Steele, a hymn writer. This is not an oversimplified approach, as you'll see here. This is how the gospel can give us a skeleton when we feel like we're so weak. She says, Dear refuge of my weary soul, On thee when sorrows rise, on thee when waves of trouble roll, my fainting hope relies. To thee I tell each rising grief, for thou alone can heal. Thy word can bring a sweet relief for every pain I feel. But oh, when gloomy doubts prevail, I fear to call thee mine. The springs of comfort seem to fail, 
and all my hopes decline. Yet, gracious God, where shall I flee? Thou art my only trust, and still my soul would cleave to thee, though prostrate in the dust. Honest, yet hopeful. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you descended into the depths of emotional crushing and breaking. That you know the hearts even here in this room or who's listened to this over YouTube. You know what it's like to feel the crushing and the breaking and the drying up of your very bones. And so as we pray right now, I pray you would minister hope, that you would remind us all, especially those who are heavy and struggling right now, that there is a greater story, that there is good news, and I pray that you would let it break in with fresh light and fresh hope. Help us learn to live fully alive, understanding more fully what's going on with us, not just so that we can have greater tranquility of heart, but so that we can better serve, love, navigate faithfully this life that you have given us to live. So Jesus, even as we close this service with this final song, meet us. Meet us with your presence and the hope that we need and the good news that is true. We thank you and we pray in your name. Amen.